0: But people don't realize that there's no relaxation because the maintenance of confidence of where you're at is even harder. So then when you're asking someone who's fatigued that hasn't truly owned their confidence, own their success to go create more, they're like, oh shit, that's going to be hard to maintain. I can't even maintain what I'm doing right now. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects? without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD. Dr. Vikram Raya is a functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert, is here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life, unlock your limitless potential, and achieve greatness, all while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD, let's dive in.
1: All right guys, welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host Vikram Ryan. Today I have a huge uh friend and special guest, Dr. Hala Sabri. She is the founder of Physician Mom Group PMG of 120,000 female physicians are part of her Facebook group. She is a leader in the physician space. She has she lives a message about empowering uh women physicians to go to that higher level. Um she is a super mom have five children, two sets of twins, um, helping physicians really live a better life. She's getting them into amazing jobs. She's converting them from more of a survival mindset now into more of a growth mindset, and really is the founder of another coaching program called the One Percent Women's Club. So Holly, welcome to the to the show, and I'm so excited to have you.,
0: yeah. oh my gosh. thank you. I, I just the last couple of minutes have been, so amazing um, being in your world. So I feel like I'm just so honored that you'd invite me. So thank yeah. you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. So, uh, you know, we were talking in the green room about so many cool things, but tell me what prompted you to start uh, PMG first?
0: Yeah, I was uh, drowning. That's what was happening. I, you know, was working, you know, I think this is like the... Um, the story of every working mom, it's not just being a doctor, um, but, you know, balancing the demands of, you know, having kids or, and, you know, the, the also the cultural idea of what it, what it's like to be a mom, right? Like this idea that you are going to be a full-time mom at home, and you're also going to be a full-time, you know, working woman as well. It's just not sustainable. Um, my mom, you know, she, she was a stay-at-home mom, so I didn't have that modeled for me, but, you know, in my brain, I was like, I want to be my mom and the you know, and the doctor too, right. I want to be everything. Um, and so my biggest problem at the time was I don't even know how to do that. I don't know how to hire a nanny. How many nannies do I need? I'm a shift worker. Nobody else wants, you know, to be a shift worker. That was my thought. Um, and looking around, I worked at a very small community hospital and I was the only woman in my group. Um, and, um, there was only like, I think nine women in the whole hospital. And so of the nine women. I did survey all of them first. Um, They either didn't have kids. So they were like, I don't know, I I got nothing for you. Um, Or their kids were in college. And so their advice for these older, um, the kids with older kids, the women with older kids was like, just wait 18 years and things will get better. And I didn't (laughs) like either one of those answers. (laughs) So I was like, well, there's got to be more women. Like, where are they? And so I just created um, a Facebook group with 20 people that I had either done rotations with and their Facebook profile looked like they had a kid. Um, So I was just hoping that somebody would answer my question, right? It was a very, 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 like, you know, selfish, you know, way of starting a group. And I think that's how all great ideas start is a problem that you're trying to solve for yourself. um, And you and you think you know, you're the only one with the problem, right? Or there's not a good solution out there. And then you end up solving it for many.
1: So 2014, um just coming yeah. out of the financial crisis uh physicians were obviously overall okay but really the physician sort of liberation movement which i call what's happening right now in this yeah there sort of zeitgeist of physicians sort of awakening amongst so many different populations that i'm starting to see but really you're one of the forefronts uh for uh, sort of the uh, leaders in that space where you thought hey look uh I have issues, probably other people have issues. Let me create a space that's safe, that's that's, uh, collaborative, that's, you know, uh, a place to vent, to get support. And initially, from what you were telling me, it sounds like that was more of a reactionary, more of a support group kind of thing. And tell me how that's evolved over the years.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be clear, I thought I was, um, you know, committing career suicide, you know, because the messaging that we were told at that time, especially for being a woman physician is like, don't ever show weakness. So mm-hmm. for me to say like, I don't know how to hire a nanny. Like I was so scared somebody would find out that that's what my problem was because I would, my, really my thoughts were, this is how, this is why coaching is so important. Everybody um, that, you know, might be listening to this is that I thought if, you know, people would find out other colleagues um, that they would not want to hire me, they wouldn't want to work with me. Like I my, I was a mess. Right. And if patients found out like, oh, my gosh, how would they even trust me to do CPR on their family member if I couldn't even figure out how to hire a nanny? Right. Um, It sounds ridiculous saying this, but when you talk to physicians or really successful people, their mindset is like a lot of perfectionism, a lot of, you know, having to have the right answers, especially in something like medicine. Right. And so. So, yeah, so I created it. It became wildly successful. um, And, you know, that was 2014. And yeah,' so uh, almost you, a decade.
1: you started with twenty people, and now you have one hundred and twenty thousand. yeah, um, that's just staggering. But I think what attracts people to initially to PMG was you. You're authentic. you're vulnerable. Um, you provided a a real place for women physicians to interact and, and to have to talk about their issues. and it was it was safe. and it was uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know it saved
1: a lot of people's lives. I mean, I I still have a lot of friends who say, oh yeah, I needed this thing. I put a post on PMG and I found a doctor or I found this person who was able to help my child. And I mean, those stories come all the time. So tell me some of the successes uh, from the early years of PMG.
0: Yeah. I mean, everything from saving lives of, you know, our own family members, you know, and people in the group, um, you know, also it ended up you know, spurring into outside the group as well. You know, I've had people contact me through my website, you know, saying, Hey, you know, my doctor reached out to someone on the group and I'm here today because of that. Or, you know, I solved this like chronic issue because of that. Um, I had a TV show that reached out to me knowing the work I did. And I ended up, um, that was one of my first consulting gigs in, um, 2019. Um, and I ended up working, um, with, um TNT and Lionsgate on a project called Chasing the Cure and it was the whole idea like if we took away the confinements of insurance right and all of the things that stop people from getting healthcare like could we solve their problems faster and could we get them help and the answer is obviously yes um and it was really neat to use my um my knowledge as a ER doctor my um skill set as a community builder um my business acumen, you know, as a consultant altogether. And that was like, probably, you know, it's funny, I say that I thought I was committing career suicide when I made the group. But what I didn't realize, not only was I saving my own career, but I was growing it in ways I never thought was imaginable. Right. And so after I started getting a couple of consulting, you know, gigs, that wasn't my first one, but that was my first one that was like, good money. You know, it was really good money. And I was like, Oh, I could actually like, make more than $500 or something like that. Like on a, you know, on a call or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, I could actually do that. And so in November of 19, I, I told, I told him to turned to my husband one day, we uh, were in bed and I said, Hey, listen, I, I think I'm going to create a whole consulting company. And um, he's like, Oh, okay. And then the <laughs> next day, the next day he was like, you know what? Um, watching you grow the way that you have has made me it's contagious it has made me thought I want to grow and then he his career took off after that. and so I think it's just so beautiful the story of not only so many people in the group but also myself and I don't really share a lot of that on the group yeah I, I, I am authentic and, and stuff like that but I also you know I go into service mode in the group right I'm like people, what do people need? let me get them um, but you know there's a lot that I have benefited benefited from and um, I'm just so grateful for the group and for everybody. Yeah. I, it's just my life is is so different now.
1: I think that domino you started with that group, I mean, I can't tell probably all so many people's lives, kids, patients, physicians, careers, perhaps, you know, it, it's it's really exploded. So kudos to you for creating such a community. And now as you're continuing in your career of, of growth, it seems like growth is so important to you um, and contribution has always been important to you. Yeah. Where do you see women physicians in twenty twenty three now, as compared to twenty ten or even the nineteen nineties? Where 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 have women physicians? Hopefully, they're evolved and and they're they they have so many much more opportunities. What do you think?
0: Well, I think right now, you know, like you said in twenty fourteen, you know, we're coming over the you know the financial crisis, and you know, physicians were making really good money at that time. Um, Right now, you know, we, we have such a different 10 years later. It's, a, it's very different. We're, we're in a physician deficit. you know, a lot of people are burnt out. We just came over a pandemic. Um, I think 10 years ago, what we were talking about in the group in fighting was we just wanted patients to recognize that we were the doctor in the room. Like we wanted that, you know, recognition equality, we want to decrease discrimination. I don't really know if there's really, we've moved the needle on that. But I will say that I stopped worrying about that. I stopped worrying about equality. Because I started realizing that we don't have equity right now. And if we don't have equity now, it doesn't matter how many more women physicians are down the line. You know, I know that we have more enrolled women in medical school and things like that. And eventually we'll get to a place where we're 50-50, you know, as far as women to men, um, you know, clinicians. And um, I'm not worried about that. I know equity is inevitable. I mean, equality is inevitable. So right now my, my conversations with people are all about equity, equity in medicine, equity out of medicine, equity as women. So what do you um, mean so, by equity?
1: What do you mean? Is that like, uh, e- like equity meaning e- equal um, representation um, or does it mean like equity in like uh, yeah. businesses kind of thing?
0: Everything. So in medicine itself, like for physicians that are listening, it's parity, like, you know, to make sure that you're actually getting paid equally yeah. um, as, as your male colleague. Now I know that that, sometimes is controversial, especially with male listeners um, and women who like to hold up the patriarchy as well. They're like, no, 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 RVUs are, they don't see men and women, but they don't realize that those RVU numbers can be negotiated with your, with your institution and not everybody gets paid the same and reimbursed the same based on the RVUs on the percentage that you're actually, you know, that you're getting from the hospital, right? People don't understand that. Um, They also don't understand that we have, you know, 35, you know, 38% women now as physicians, but the the leadership, not, not only the leadership doesn't, um, support the 38% in of women in leadership, but when we are given positions or positions that are not as powerful as, um, as others. So we might have like middle management, or we might have, you know, these like lighter, you know, titles that don't have any power and things like that. So when I talk about equity, I'm talking about power, money, influence. I'm talking about all of that, um, inside and outside of medicine, but right now, like just for PMG per se, you know, I'm really talking about equity. Um, now, look, how am I going to solve it? How am I going to move the needle? I don't know. Yeah, I'm I
1: was going to ask it. you yeah. that. So, how, So like, you know, I yeah. always believe 5% on the problem, 95% on the solution. I think you're a consultant, yeah. you're a physician, you're a, a leader in the space, and you have access to, like, the barometer of the physician population. So, uh, what are sort of, like, you know, the women listening, perhaps, who who are perhaps struggling for this, and even some men, who knows, but uh, what what would you say is, like, sort of two to three action items that you'd recommend for them? If they're in a situation where they're wanting to improve their their outcomes, what would you say is a good starting point for them to go after?
0: Okay, three things, or three steps, rather. Yeah. Um, one is, um, be curious. You know, Don't settle for where you're at right now. That doesn't mean you have to change your job. Doesn't mean you have to move. I'm not saying that. But even be curious, like when people go, oh, I get paid the same. I, I used to say that too. I, I get paid the same as everybody else. Um, one is, is that true? Two is, is that Okay. Like I, I'm a very valuable person. So now when I, when I, when I, negotiate um, contracts for myself, um, I ask, I'm like, "What is does everybody get paid? They're all, "Oh, everybody's getting paid the same. I'm like, no, I don't want to get paid the same as everybody else. I want to get paid more. Right. I have a community that's 30% of the workforce in the United States. I, I have access to that. Right. Like that's gotta be worth more. Right. It's not enough. I, I need to be, I need to be compensated for what I'm worth. And it's not enough just to be equal to somebody else, especially when they don't have the same influence, power, you know, all of that, right? So I think being curious, right? And then that goes to my second thing is negotiate, 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 negotiate. Like women do not negotiate. They don't negotiate enough. That includes me. I'm always pushing myself to negotiate. And one of the ways that I make sure that I'm negotiating for more is I run everything through my lawyer. Everything, everything, everything. She's just an extra set of eyes. She's my advocate. She She actually tells me, the worst thing that you could do is start to negotiate for yourself. Like, let me do it. You're going to ruin it. Not because, <laughs> not because I don't know how to negotiate for myself, but that is her specialty. That's like saying, right. Hey, pay, you know, to the patient, like, wow, you have chest pain. Why don't you go order your own cardiac labs and then come back oh. and I'll tell you what to do with them, right? Like that's what we do. We, we don't do that at all, right? Like we, we take control of that because we yeah. are the experts in that situation, right? So it's not that I just leave it to her and then take whatever she says, you know, for, for yeah. fact, but she does tons of contracts, right? So there's things that she'll tell me to negotiate for that I didn't even know I could because I don't know. So I, think I it's, have it's a really like, good uh, team.
1: We all have our blind spots, Hala. I think that's exactly what you're yeah. saying. So if you have experts on your team, let them do their job and then use them as counsel, you know, uh, to make your final decision. Great. So we got, we got to be curious. It's it's expert negotiations going. And what's the last one?
0: And the third one I would say is stop externalizing your value. That is so important. There's so many women that I talk to in my, especially that I coach in my 1% women's club that they decide their value based on other people's opinions of them. And Sometimes it's very, very like sneaky, you know, they're like, oh, well, if my company really valued me, they would put me in this position, right? Um, Something like that, right? It's like, well, why don't you just value yourself right now? Like if you think that you're worth that position, go get it. And if they're not going to give it to you, go somewhere else. Or for example, even people who are not in employee situations, I see this all the time, right? People will message me. They'll see me post something. I'll be talking about a new project I'm working on or whatever it may be, right? Um, and people will message me and go, hey, are you hiring? Or do you know of any job opportunities for me, right? And of course, if I do, I will give it to them, right? But sometimes it's like so nuanced and I don't know, right? And I'm like, well, who? are you going to wait until you find something like that? Or why don't you just go create it? right? Um, and I think that one, that's the lack of curiosity. Two, it's the lack of being able to negotiate with yourself, right? And three, not even knowing the value that you could do that, right? Like the value and the confidence in yourself that you are expert enough that you can do those things, right? And so so those are the three things I, I would I would preach. If anybody takes anything from this podcast, be curious, negotiate, and don't externalize your value. Like I, really, I love, really own it.
1: I really love the last one because that's very unique. And yeah, what you just said was, it's still, it's very powerful. You said something about you know, they asking you for jobs or seeking and waiting for something to come to them versus, hey, if it's not on the work, workforce, create it. Design the the dream job you want and go for it, you know, and then perhaps be your own boss. Uh, I think many physicians are scared. What do you speak to about the fear that a lot of us have you know, about venturing out on our own or doing something more dynamic? Yeah. Well, I, to
0: that I say you know, usually people are starting to to look for those kinds of opportunities that scare them when they are feeling stuck, bored, frustrated, or resentful, right? If they're stuck in their career and they're like, gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do next, right? They're bored. They're like, God, I've been doing this for a long time and I really want to be challenged, right? Or, you know, they're resentful. They're like, gosh, I'm doing all these sacrifices and this is not the payoff, whatever. Whatever feeling that is that they're thinking about, you know, this opportunity, whether they see something I do or you do or somebody else and they're like, oh, I really want to do that, right? But then they're scared. What's more scary building something that could be wildly successful. And if it's not, you're going to learn a lot and you're going to become a different person. You're going to be the person who bets on yourself. Or is it more scary to be complacent and be sitting there forever, frustrated, stuck and bored and resentful. Like, d- decide, decide what's more scarier and then just do it. Hmm. Um, I like being scared. That's like, you know, I don't know if you like roller coasters, right. <laughs> but like, or yeah. or maybe or maybe scary movies. I don't like scary movies. I'm more of a roller coaster girl. But I go on them because it's thrilling. Right? That's the excitement of it all, yeah. right? So all of a sudden we get into the success part of our life and then everything's scary, right? And um I was telling you this on, in the in the green room before is like it's it's really the, I think the thing that paralyzes physicians and successful people in general the most is success intolerance. It's this idea that like keeping up, um, the confidence that you had to, to create and and own to get to where you are right now, it was tiring probably, right? And it's idea like, okay, when, I, when I'm when I unattending, everything's going to get better, right? Oh, when I'm a full partner, everything's going to get better. Or when I'm a professor, I'm, everything's going to get better, right? We all have these like milestones. And what you mean by that is I can relax. But what people don't realize is that there's no relaxation because the maintenance of confidence of where you're at is even harder. So then, when you're asking someone who's fatigued that hasn't truly owned their confidence, owned their success, to go create more, they're like, "Oh shit, like that's going to be hard to maintain. I can't even maintain what I'm doing right now."
1: Yeah, right. I think I think think winners and the one percent and truly successful people out there, uh, Mm -hmm. they develop a stamina, and I think everyone else can do it too. That you just have to want whatever. What you have to have a powerful why. I think you have to drive. Go after it with a powerful drive and perseverance, and then when you get there, realize it's just part of the journey. And there's, realize there's, there's every there's steps and levels to your success. And then just keep the momentum and stamina there because that's what you need to sustain all of this. Um, let me ask you a question. So, 2014 you started. It's 2023. Nine years of amazing growth. Everyone's seeing the success. They're seeing like, oh my god, she's a consultant. She was on uh, a TV show at Lionsgate. She's a coach, a consultant. She started the One Percent Women's Club. Like, she can do no wrong. Five kids. She's like, you know, no big deal. Where are the where are the some of the, the the struggles, the moments where you're like, should I quit? Should I stop? Like, is there anything you can share with us? The times where like it was really tough, and what what helped you get through it?
0: Oh man, that's like every day, right? Every day uh-huh. we have a choice, right? We have a choice to continue or not, right? Um, I mean, this morning, if this interview was like this morning, I was like, I was really tired. I was like, and I and I'm putting on a, a workshop this uh, this evening, right? And I'm just like, you know, and the thought came through in my mind, like, do I just want to postpone the workshop, right? Um. So yeah, so every day, you guys, like, yeah, you might see me do amazing things, and you know, you might see me post amazing things. Um, but know that those are choices too, right? The choices to not quit, um, or sometimes, sometimes I do quit and I pivot, right? And that's okay too, right? Like that's totally fine. There's been things I've started and I'm like, ah, my why is not strong enough, or you know what? This I thought this aligned for my values, or it's not, or the reason why I'm doing it is really to prove to myself that I'm I'm a value when I when I don't really need to do that to to, to decide that, right? So there's a lot of things that you guys don't see me actually come to fruition with. Lots of companies I've been part of that. I, I'm not part of, or things I drop off of. Um, I do this assessment every six months in mm-hmm. my life. I write down everything I'm doing, everything that takes time, right? And I have like four columns. It's like, what is it that I'm doing, right? How much time does it take, right? Even, you know, when I do this with my clients, it's funny, they're like, well, I'm on this committee, but it's only like one hour a month, right? I write it down. Cause you only have so many hours in a year, right? So many hours in a day, right? So what, how much time, what's your return on investment? And that's not just money, you guys, right? It's, it's, you know, money, opportunity, the learning that you do, the skill sets, there's so much return on investment, right? And then what value am I honoring that I own, right? And so I do a lot of values-based work. Um, I know a lot of coaches do, Um uh, one of the things I really think is more my strong suit is teaching people how to actually apply their values and actually like mm. exercise them. Um, when I was learning about values, um, I mean, I've known about values for a long time. I worked for the Disney company. That whole company is based off of values. And if you guys want to read one book to understand how you actually use values in your business, just so you can see that since you guys are all doctors, and or I don't know if all of your people are doctors, but a lot of people are watching this or listening to this are doctors. You know, there's a book called If Disney Ran Your Hospital. that's a really good book um, that helps you understand how companies actually use their values. And you could take that book and you can understand, and then you can like transfer that to yourself because you've experienced the hospital life, right? You probably experienced going to Disneyland or understanding how an amusement park works, Um, but you could do the same thing for your, for your life, right? What are my values, right? And then how do I actually exercise them? And I have a whole worksheet that I do with my clients and things like that. That actually makes it easy because nothing is out there teaching that, right? Um, and so I think that that is a really, um, important aspect. Now I forget what I was answering, but I, just, I love talking about value.
1: No, 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 no. But, uh, I love that. Really, really so I was important. just like, what are some of the challenges you've come across? And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you get through oh, yeah. them? And oh
0: yeah. The list, the list, the list. Okay. So the, the things that you have written down is that you, the, what, what are you doing? What's the time that it takes? What are, um, what's the ROI and what value are you actually exercising?
1: Got right.
0: It. And do you need to, do you need to still exercise the value in that way? Right. That's what that's what I what I do every six months. I do this. Right.
1: That's a really uh, powerful exercise.
0: Yeah. Every six months, June and the end of December, beginning of January, depending on my vacation time. Right. I take a whole day off of my work. I sit there usually at Panera (laughs) (laughs) and I sit there with my coffee and my little Danish. And I really like think, okay, like, really, do I still want to do this? Because, you know, what, I think when you take away freedom from people and you take away choice. That, that's what leads to burnout. Mm. I mean, for the factors that you can control, there are systemic factors also that lead to burnout. Right. So I'm like, well, what do I want to choose? Right. And um, is it, is it still, is it still serving me? Right. So there's a lot of things that you guys see that, you know, maybe I, I, I choose not to do right. Or I fail at or whatever it may be. And that's okay.
1: You know what? I, I really like what you're saying. It's everyone's like, Oh, never quit. Just do it. Everything, you know, and keep going. But you know, I think selectively peeling off things that don't serve you any longer is smart because mm-hmm. you just have this limited amount of life mojo. And you just want to direct it toward the things that give you the most joy, the fulfillment, the freedom, or that, or again, you uh, know, especially un- uh, underlying your values hierarchy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, things change. And so getting that frequent six month reassessment, super smart. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um,
0: and guess what also, I do with the things that peel off, you know? All those people who message me. <laughs> that want opportunities. I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to work with this company anymore. This would be a really good candidate for this person, right? For, you know, this would be not, not because it's like, I mean, just because I learned what I wanted, um, from that experience, does it mean that it's not a great learning opportunity for someone else or that they would learn something different? Um, that's another thing that I do. This is another like, um, growth mindset trick that I do is whatever I do, whether it's like, I, I join a program, right. Or I take a job or I take Whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. I pick, and this is what I do for my clients in my in my 1% women's club, is I have them pick three things that they're focused on to learn. What is it that they want to learn? Who do they want to become through that program? Right. Um, and I and I keep them very simple, like and very, like, very tangible in some way, right? Like people might say, like, oh, I want to be more confident. Well, specifically in what? Like, let's talk about it. Like, what are you not confident in right now? You know? And it might be, you know, speaking up at work. Well, how would you know that you're confident in that? Like what, like what's your goal? What I'm going to tell my boss, I'm not going to answer my pager after five, something like that. Okay. I'm going to have more confidence and boundaries around that. Right. Okay, fine. Let's work on that. In three months that you're going to be the kind of person that, you know, values yourself. So you can demand that value from other people. Right. We can't ask people to treat us better than we're going to treat ourselves. Right. So I teach them. Right. Um, but if you, but if you're just going to join a program to be like, oh, Vikram, make me feel better. Right. Yeah. There's no, okay. Like there, you know, you're a full grown adult and we don't know exactly how it is that what, what your growth curve is and what your growth curve is and what my growth curve is and so different. And, and so you can't compare people. And I, I do this um in my group. I have them um, submit it privately. I, I don't share it to the group. Because then you have like this comparison. It's almost like competent, like a little bit competitiveness, you know? Like, oh yeah, that Doctors sounds good. I, I want to do that too. No I know. way. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I should do that too. You know, or like even in like, um, I'm in a business, um, I'm in a, I'm in a business uh, like Mastermind and like you see people doing that too. Like, you know, someone like creating a podcast and like, oh, I don't have a podcast. I should do that too. Like, you know, it's like, no, just focus on your own path, right? Like focus on what you want to build. The
1: When I've, when I've been um, around some of the best and the highest performers out there, I noticed that, they they grow through subtraction and not through addition they learn to yes. take things yes. off their plate and learn to slow down to speed up and it's i think you know the first half of our life we're just so trying to just capture every opportunity that's out there mm-hmm. but really once we know who we are what we're about our authentic journey and like what we're meant to do on this earth it's really selectively you know, taking on those things that, that serve us, fulfill us, and that really guide us to where we want to go. So I love how you're sharing that with your 1% of the women's club. That's amazing. And let's, let's, you know, as we wrap up here, what's, what's sort of the impact you want to have on
0: the world? Oh my gosh. You know, that's such a loaded question. I think, um, (laughs) you know, to, to tell you the truth, I'm really happy with the impact I've already created. So I, I want to say that, like, I'm really proud of myself and I, you know, I went to medical school and I, and I say this story a lot. And, um, for those of you that haven't heard it, you know, I went to medical school really to advocate for doctors, you know, my dad was a doctor and he, um, you know, he loved medicine, but he also hated medicine, you know, he was a little, a little burnt out and, you know, he would tell me like, you know, he would be counting down the days to, you know, until he retired. And then in the same conversation, tell me, like, you know, did you apply to medical school yet? You know, did you hear back? You know, and I'm like, why do you want this life for me that you hate? You know, and he told me, um, no, you know, Holly, you guys, your generation is just so much smarter than our generation. Like, we gave everything, we gave all of our business acumen away to, to other people. We outsourced and let them take the business. You know, and it's true. That's what happened in the 80s and 90s, you know, and he's like, you know, it's up to your generation to fix it. Now, I don't think our generation fixed it. I think, you know, we I I don't think I don't I don't think we fixed it. But um, in my mind, when I went to medical school and I went to the only medical school that I got into that had an MBA program at the time in 2002, that was like not normal. And I remember they um, the the interviewer asked me first question. He's like, why do you want to be a doctor? And I told him I don't. I, I want to be a doctor that advocates for doctors. And I think to do that, I have to go to medical school and understand the doctor mindset. I have to understand how hospitals work for me to actually run a hospital because that's what I thought I wanted to do at the time, to be able to to be more of an advocate for doctors, you know. And um, I have no interest in hospital leadership. <laughs> I've never I, that's not something I'm doing. Um, that's not even part of my six month checkup. no nothing at all. Um, but I will say that I think that's my legacy is making the physician space better for physicians and I think specifically for physician parents, you know, or the choice not to be a parent, you know, whatever it may be, I just don't want people to have to feel like they have to pick their career or living their life, you know, because career is just one part of your life. In fact, the way I teach it, it's just one sixth of your life. That's it. You know, you have so many other aspects of your life and we ignore all of these other aspects. And so if I can just if anybody listening to this, you know, could take that and 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 tell one other person that your career is not your identity. It's not your whole personality. You know, uh-huh. whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that, like let's just, let's just grow beyond that. Yeah. You know,
1: that's old school. That's what yeah. I am. Yeah. yeah. Being yeah. like, they're like, Oh yeah. Who are you? Uh, I'm a cardiologist. No, you're more than that. You're a cardiologist and you're a dad and you're like, you, know, <laughs> you have your passion. I really and believe, and yeah.
0: I really believe what you're saying. Yeah. Like when you're like I'm saying, really Oh, cool. I'm a dad, but then you're thinking, I, you know, I haven't played with my kids or when I'm playing with my kids, I'm thinking about my business or whatever it may be. Right. Like, you know, really own all of those titles, you know, because honestly, like there's more than career. There's your, you know, your health, there's your money, there's your friendships and your community, there's your romantic relationships, there's your spirituality, right? There's so much to your life. And what I find is that like in this world, especially with these really successful people, everything is based on career and money. And so you're living your world in like one third, one third of it. One one third of your of your life is in just this this one part, you know? And um, and that's just not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's not fun, and also honestly, it's not teaching the next generation how to be better.
1: I like I like so. this concept of the holistic physician journey that you're sort of yeah. advocating for. So, um, yeah. what's the best way for people to uh, get a hold of you, work with you, perhaps? And I know uh, there's already the the Facebook group uh, Physician Moms Group PMG. That's available for everyone to to uh, log into. Uh, if you're a physician and a mom, I'm assuming. Um, but otherwise, uh, how how can people work with you?
0: Yeah, I mean, we accept all physicians. I don't do like a pregnancy test on <laughs> on you <laughs> know on arrival here. Anything like that. <laughs> so if you're a physician and um, one of our groups is also co-ed, so you definitely want oh to there you enjoy. go. Yeah. Go so the yeah mypmg.com is the PMG aspect of my career. Um, my one percent women's club is under halasobri.com. And obviously, I'm very, very easily found on social media. So you can always message me as well. I'm pretty good about replying. But yeah, I'm, I'm easily found. But yeah, if you, if you want help with anything um, that I've mentioned here, especially the coaching aspect, I definitely have been diving in there. And you know, my my real mission in life is really to create more leaders than followers. And um, I think that's been a really big shift for me. The minute I mentioned that uh, to myself, I realized that my value is really promoting knowledge and inspiration and leadership for other people, it really like changed the way that I interact with my community as well. Like I, I don't function as an influencer or just like slinging like c- promo codes, which is so fun. Um, and you can make a lot of money like that. And people do get a lot of um, value from that. Obviously I, I buy from influencers all the time, but for me, you know, in my mission in life, it's not, it's not to, I don't want to be known for that. I really want to be known as someone who like connects people to save lives, connects people to save their career, to grow more, to grow more generational wealth. Um, If you changing your mindset helps change how you speak to your kids so your kids don't, they're not socialized in the same way that we were socialized, that you need to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, make a lot of money or whatever it may be, that means stability and that means happiness, right? Like that's how I want to be remembered. Yeah,
1: That's yeah. awesome. Thank you so yeah, much, you. Hala. Yeah. Guys, uh, you heard it from... From Hala, this is uh, really a mindset shift as physicians move into the next 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 decade of life. Uh, the next uh, the ent- breed of physicians really will be this more of a holistic physician, a physician who's really seeking growth, contribution, who's comfortable in their own skin, and who's really ready to take on more than just you know clocking in, clock clocking out of a clinic or a hospital, but really living that powerful, uh, all-encompassing life. So thank you again, Hala, for the, all your words yeah. of wisdom. And guys, thank you again for supporting the podcast. And until next time.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. Until next time, be phenomenal.